Welcome to LifeBeat. I'm your host, Chris Gast, Right to Life, Michigan's Director of Communication and Education. Joining us again today is Emily Kroll, our Education Events Coordinator. Welcome, Emily. Hello. Happy Friday. Yay. I love Fridays. They're the best day of the week. And it's been a good weather week, and um, I even checked the forecast for this weekend. I'm just going to assume it's going to be another beautiful Michigan summer. Um, today we're going to talk about a couple things. We're going to talk about uh, welcome development in Nebraska and maybe talk about other states, what they're doing pro-life-wise. Uh, we're going to talk about uh, shouting about your abortion uh, a little bit later. But first, let's talk about everyone's favorite topic this week. Uh, I'm afraid to say her name because people are going to yell at me. Is it Kamala Harris? Kamala Harris? Kamala, what is Kamala. It? It's, just call her uh, Harris, maybe. Just go with the last name. Mrs. Harris. There we go. Oh, yeah, Senator she is Harris. married. Senator Harris. Senator Harris. Let's, let's be safe about this one. Okay. So, uh, unless you've lived under a rock, which I envy you, Senator Harris has been tapped by Joe Biden to be his vice presidential nominee. You know, it's funny in news stories they say, a presumptive nominee or, you know, because he hasn't actually accepted the nomination at the convention yet, which I guess isn't even happening. Which means he hasn't officially been given the nomination either. You have to be given it to accept it. So it's just assumed that that's who it's going to be because he's the only one left who went through the primaries, but they could pull something out of far far right field maybe outside of the stadium but it's unlikely so so somewhere hillary clinton is sitting in her basement saying so you're saying there's a chance <laughs> you're saying it's a chance the russians and then we're done oh <laughs> uh, yeah yes uh, <laughs> uh so uh senator harris is uh senator from the state of california she is a former attorney general of the state of California. Uh, she's not been in the Senate too long, just a few years. She will get into her abortion record in a second, but I think it is worth noting, again, unless you're living under a rock, that Joe Biden does not seem well in his uh, press appearances. He's clearly having trouble articulating Things, which, let's face it, we can all sympathize with, uh, yeah. especially with this podcast, but uh, not on a basic daily basis, finishing yeah. thoughts. Yeah. And he's even himself said he's a placeholder, so it's really clear that unlike in a normal presidential election year, because uh, we apparently are never going to have one of those ever again, that uh, the vice presidential pick this year takes on special importance because... It's unlikely that Joe Biden is going to run for a second term, and let's be frank, there's plenty of people speculating he's not even going to make it to the end of a first term, whether for health reasons uh, or just because he's shoved aside. I mean, who knows? Uh, we've never had a, an election where we have... I mean, he's old, which, I mean, is not necessarily a problem. President Trump is old. He's an old guy. He doesn't, but he's... He doesn't he's got, act he's got, like he's got, it. He's got, he's high energy, as he might say. He has a Twitter addiction. He doesn't have low energy. He's a Twitter <laughs> addiction, so he, he's kind of like a 
40-year-old reporter for the New York Times in that regard. Um, so, but of course, health and mental acuity is really important when you have a device sitting within arm's reach that can launch the end of the world in terms of nuclear weapons. Uh, which, by the way, I'd like to point out that everyone who said that Trump would blow up the world with nuclear weapons, we're still here. As of right now, it's 1.40 p.m. on a Friday in Michigan. Yeah. Nothing's been nuked yet. Not yet, Not but yet. we've still okay. got time. <laughs> we've got time. Um, that would save us from the rest of the presidential election. <laughs> we don't need mail-in universal ballots then. Just you don't the need presidents when you're fighting over with lizards for, for worms in a cave. Anyway. <laughs> Um, so Harris, Senator Harris, let's go over just her abortion record real quick. Uh, you can talk about a few things, but just what stands out the most to me is when David Daleiden from the Center for Medical Progress did his undercover videos for exposing Planned Parenthood's human organ trafficking practices and whatnot, they immediately were going to attack him. And uh, he lives in California, and the Attorney General at the time was uh, now Senator Harris. And she just decided that the, the best way to handle this was to send an armed raid to his house and confiscate all of his recordings before they could be sent out publicly. Now, uh, it, it didn't uh, necessarily work. You know, he got stuff back. I'll have a little interesting... Side note is, uh, when David Daleiden came and spoke in Grand Rapids, I asked him about this raid that uh, Senator Harris did at the time to burnish her credentials with Planned Parenthood. And, you know, I asked him if he thought that they would go after him as hard as they did, and he said, nope. I mean, he, he, he wasn't blanching from it. He was going to continue his effort to expose Planned Parenthood's human organ trafficking, but he did not think anything like this would happen. But... That's how pro-abortion people in power roll. They will abuse their authority. And we've seen, sent from Senator Harris, Kamala Harris, that she is going to abuse her authority. And her idea, Emily, of pro-life outreach is sending armed agents to your house. Yeah. The interesting thing about that, so the reason she used to justify it is California's recording laws. Um, but... Putting it into perspective with other cases, so there were animal rights groups in California during the same time period who were taking secret recordings inside of animal clinics in pounds, and they released the that that footage and those those things, and and she used that as evidence to prosecute animal rights abuses. So you have a situation where. One, the recordings of Planned Parenthood were in public places um, where they could have been overheard at any time. And she's emailing back and forth with Planned Parenthood leadership to organize raids and how they're going to go about getting back the evidence. But she used evidence gotten in, in a similar way to prosecute people for animal rights abuses. So... It really kind of puts it into perspective. At the time, she had received $83,000 from Planned Parenthood and campaign donations. So it really is a very glaring example of someone who has, an, has a group of friends in powerful positions that gave her money to get there, and she's not going to abandon them. And if Joe Biden wins, she could be the president. So I know there's some pro-life people out there who may think, well, I guess if Joe Biden wins, it's not the end of the world. We can still operate our pregnancy centers. We can still 
uh, you know, talk to people. Uh, well, you might want to rethink that. Uh, you're going to have a president who really doesn't believe in the First Amendment when it comes to causes that she doesn't support. So that's pretty important for pro-life people in the November election to keep in mind. Of course, her other record, you know, she's a garden variety, 100% pro-abortion vote reliably. Uh, one of the legislative issues that stands out in Congress right now is in the United States Senate, there's legislation, uh, legislation to increase protections for babies who survive botched abortions and are born alive. And right now that legislation is being filibustered by pro-abortion senators, including our own Senator Stabenow and Peters, but also Senator Harris. And so not only would she vote no on this legislation, these are for children who survive botched abortions. These are children already born who are alive and all the law, the legislation seeks to do is give them equal treatment that any other child in their health condition would receive. That should be really simple. But of course, that would hurt the abortion industry because, well, let's face it, a couple of abortionists are committing infanticide, straight up. And they don't want any legal issues with that or any legal questions. If they run into a situation where something bad happens, and uh, they don't want, uh, you know, they don't want to be punished with a baby, to use President Obama's words. Um, and not only is she going to vote no on this, but she's filibustering it. So we can't even have the United States Senate with a majority vote on this. In their mind, it's beyond the pale to not commit infanticide. Which is uh, disturbing. We actually have a resource on our website, rtl.org, about the Born Alive Infant or Born Alive Abortion Survivors Protection Act um, that is being filibustered, and it's got some pretty good information about how common it actually is for children to survive, survive abortions, and also some of the things that historically have been done to babies who survive and are still being done um, all over the United States. So we'll see what happens with that. Spoiler alert, it's going to be filibustered until we have a sizable pro-life majority or they get enough heat about it. If you hear about it in the media, especially in relation to this election campaign, you're going to hear about a bunch of myths, and that's what the resource is designed to kind of rebut. No, this isn't about abortions. Yes, this really happens. Uh, you know... Etc. No, this isn't just disabled babies as if, you know, having a disability means that you're less of a person and you can just be killed because why not? Um, so encourage you go there. Look at that. We're also going to have uh, a comparison sheet up soon on RTL.org comparing uh, Senator Harris and Vice President Mike Pence, who is a pretty pro-life guy, pretty awesome guy, spoken at the March for Life. Uh, so that's that. Now let's move on to another piece of legislation out of Nebraska. Dismemberment ban. It passed. Finally. Over a filibuster. Finally. It took them, it took them, it was quite a fight for them to get that through. And there were, there was a very strong group of uh, opposition to it. But they managed to defeat the filibuster and then to, to pass it. So it's just going to the governor's desk to get signed. Hopefully. 
Well, yeah, and it was a it was a pretty overwhelming vote. They they were filibustering it. Well, I I didn't. See, it was like thirty three to eight or something. Yeah, thirty three to eight. In this in the Nebraska, um, the unicameral. I forget. A lot of people don't realize that in most states they have like a house and a senate, but in Nevada or Nevada, no. Nebraska, do they call it their house or a senate? Or I just the legislature. They just call it the legislature. Yep, they just have one legislature. They don't have two houses. They don't have two leaders. Um, we'll we'll let you political scientists out there decide which would be better. Uh, but in terms of reporting news and following legislation, it was a little easier on our end. So uh, just like other states, just like we were going to do in Michigan, it's a dismemberment ban, banning the most common late-term abortion procedure, uh, of course, which is a very violent procedure. It's not really any more violent than partial birth abortion. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, how the child dies. Uh, instead of sucking their brains out, which is a partial birth abortion, we're tearing them limb from limb and they're dying from shock or blood loss in a dismemberment abortion. And crushing the skull. Still, the skull is still being And crushed. yeah, eventually, yeah, if the child is still alive at that point, the, the, the skull is crushed. And so definitely not pleasant to hear about, but this is the reality of abortion. And this is, it's going on 2,000 times a year in Michigan. Uh, I don't have Nebraska's abortion stats in front of me, uh, but such a ban will save lives. And the important question is, what's a court going to do? Uh, there was great news out of, the, I believe, the 8th U.S. Circuit Court. Did we talk about this in the last podcast? I don't think we did, no. It oh. came after the last podcast. Okay. Well, then we should talk about it. Um, Arkansas has a dismemberment ban, some other pro-life laws that they passed. And a eighth, the eighth U.S. Circuit Court looked at the federal court injunction blocking it and said, "Nope, can't block it." Now, of course, you know it'll go back in court and it might be blocked again. And these things take forever. And even if they aren't trying to win or playing to win, the abortion industry plays to delay so they can get as many abortions in or hope for a change in the court situation, which will definitely happen when uh, when we have President Harris appointing. Jennifer Granholm to serve on the United States Supreme Court. I'm going to have nightmares. Ruth Bader Ginsburg finally retires. Um, and in five years, our Supreme Court will be blown away, just like just uh, like our state. Were you, were you, were you, do you remember that quote from Jennifer Granholm? I just vaguely aside. remember it. Yeah, she was talking about how, you know, don't look at these horrible economic numbers. She's like, and in five years. You're going to be blown away. And it probably was not a great metaphor for our state and our economic situation. But she could be on the Supreme Court. You know, she's born in Canada, so can't have President Granholm. You could have Chief Justice Granholm. Think about that, I'm people. I'm literally going to have nightmares. Think about that, people. And then keep in mind, Gretchen Whitmer is a lawyer, too, you know. Chief Justice Jennifer Granholm, Justice Gretchen Whitmer. Please never let us see For that another day. 40, 30, or 40 years. Can yeah. You imagine. So, uh, congratulations, Nebraska. Of course, you're not the only state. Congratulations, Arkansas, uh, which will have their ban go into effect before some other pro abortion judge says it can't. And uh, we'll keep following it. And state pro life action is always encouraging. At the federal level, of course, there's not a lot we can do because of House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. So, again, Elections have consequences. If we had a pro-life majority in Congress, we could have done a lot. Uh, we could have defunded Planned Parenthood a few years ago, but we had a, a zero vote margin in the U.S. Senate, pro-life vote margin, and then John McCain torpedoed that at the last minute. So 
Let's talk about that for a second, because this is an interesting question that I see online and a lot of people don't get. Um, so there's this common refrain that, oh, voting for pro-life legislators is pointless because we're still funding Planned Parenthood, even though Republicans controlled, you know, Congress and the presidency. So first of all, just because you have an R next to your name doesn't mean you're pro-life. Just because you have a D next to your name doesn't mean you're pro-abortion. Increasingly, that is becoming true in, in a lot of cases, but that's still not always the case. Uh, back when there was an effort to uh, overturn Obamacare, there was also tie bar to it, uh, defunding Planned Parenthood. And that legislation got really close. It was within one vote in the United States Senate, which at the time, even though it had, uh, I think it was 52 Republicans in it, two of those Republicans were pro-abortion. So there was only 50 pro-life votes. So they could not afford a single vote to defect. And John McCain and kind of a news media blitz came in, cast the deciding vote. Um, I guess in fairness, he was more opposed to the Obamacare thing than the Planned Parenthood thing. But nevertheless, he voted that down. And so defunding Planned Parenthood, we were, we were right there. A complete defund. It was about ready to happen. And John McCain torpedoed it. And then shortly after that, they kind of talked about going back to the drawing board. But then in Alabama, you had uh, the Alabama voters, who I blame more than anyone for not defunding Planned Parenthood, decided to nominate Crazy Roy Moore uh, as their Senate candidate to replace Jeff Sessions. And what happened? Well, Roy Moore lost in Alabama to pro-abortion, now Senator Doug Jones. And so now, uh, so at that point, there was a 51-vote uh, pro-abortion majority in the U.S. Senate, even though Republicans had the majority. Because again, party doesn't equal pro-life. And because of that, uh, you know, with the election, we got a pro-life majority back in the U.S. Senate, but now we don't have... Uh, there's no Republican majority in the House, and there's definitely not a, a pro-life majority in the, in the House. So if you're wondering why didn't we defund Planned Parenthood, it was John McCain and Alabama vote primary voters, Republican primary voters. And so again, elections have consequences. Are you sick of hearing that yet? I'm sick of saying it. It gets a little repetitive, but, but people need to actually, like, we, I know personally a lot of people who, who will say that, but not act on it. So, um, or, or the, the, the opinion that my one vote doesn't matter for anything, but, uh, really when it comes down to it, one vote makes differences in elections, especially primary elections, but even when we get up to presidential and Senate elections, that one vote actually does make a difference. It does. So Rights Life Michigan shouts elections have consequences at you all the time. Uh, the abortion industry says, shout your abortion. Uh, now we thought we'd bring this up and I'll let Emily kind of talk about it a little bit, but it's really important to remember that, and I used to get this all the time and having discussions about the issue of abortion, nobody's pro-abortion, Emily. This from people who support abortion. They say, no one's pro-abortion. It's just this horrible, terrible thing that we have to allow because of women's health or women will die, etc. yada, yada, yada. And I always used to come back with them with links from several articles 
um, and I, I'd read them or email them to or, um, or comment on social media and say, look, see this person says, I love abortion or I'm pro-abortion and proud of it and, and these sorts of things. And it was just tough for people to accept. But the abortion industry realizes that abortion is still not popular. There's still not a majority of Americans who would say it's moral. And that's why even though they have the Supreme Court on their side, popular culture, which I think you're going to talk about in a second, um, they have all this behind them, but it's still not enough for them to be secure. And so their idea in the last few years has been, well, instead of saying safe, legal, and rare, and, ad and kind of uh, admitting the premise that abortion is morally wrong or a necessary evil, we're going to say it's a positive, unmitigated, unmitigated good. Uh, I had a Joe Biden moment there. And uh, they need to shout their abortion stories proudly and happily and say, I love abortion. Yeah. So, abortion in popular culture. This was actually brought to my attention earlier this morning. So, um, before, before a few hours ago, I had no idea about a movie that was coming out on HBO in September. So on the 10th of September, there is a new movie coming out and it's called Unpregnant. Now, you can guess from the title that the movie is going to be an abortion story. And instead of saying abortion, instead of saying, you know, uh, anything about a baby, they're, they're saying unpregnant so that pregnancy is, they're removing the human being from the story, basically. So the, the premise of the movie, and it's based off of a book, is that there is a teenage girl who finds herself pregnant in Missouri. And Missouri has parental consent laws. So parents have to be notifi notified if a minor that they are responsible for is going to have an abortion. She, the quote from the movie, her Jesus freak parents, um, that's, that's literally what it says in the trailer. Uh, she doesn't want to tell them. So the movie is the story of her and a friend taking a road trip to New Mexico to get around parental consent laws. And so they're going to Albuquerque to get an abortion for her. And it's a comedy. Well, they say it's a comedy. And it's marketed for the young adult teenage audience. And it's just the story of, one, it's telling teenagers partially how to get around abortion laws and, and we call them tourist abortions where people go across state lines to get abortions or to get around laws like the parental consent laws. And what it what it really does is it it, it makes abortion seem cool. It seems like the normal hip thing to do in this movie. And in the, the reason that the girl gives for wanting the abortion is because she thinks it would ruin her dreams of going to an Ivy League school and having a career, and um, which is a lie. Um, we, can, we can call that out for what it is. It's a lie. The, the whole premise that a, having a baby can ruin a woman's potential in her future is, is proven to be false, and that... Um, the people who are calling for abortion in the name of women's empowerment have one of the most disenfranchising messages out there where it's, they say you can't succeed, you can't do well if you have a baby, where um, I would argue, 
as a young woman myself that, you know, it's hard to have a career, it's hard to go to school, it's expensive, it's difficult, but for a woman to do that and have a child at the same time, uh, that's, that's the stuff of superheroes, really, and women do it all the time, and, you know, it's difficult, but we have groups, we have organizations, and we have pro-life people all around the nation who want to help women have a child and their dreams at the same time. So, it's, this movie is, it's rated PG-13, um, which is not surprising, even though it's talking about abortion, and it's just along the same lines of what Chris was just talking about, shouting your abortion, being proud of your abortion, and making it into something that's cool and hip for young girls to do, um, and really removing the say of anyone, so the boyfriend isn't allowed to have a say in her choice for what she wants to do with his child. Her parents aren't allowed to have a choice of what they want to do with their grandchild. Her parents could have been supportive. They might have taken care of the baby. They never get that chance because she is too ashamed of her actions to tell them, which is really, really sad. So it just brings up, especially since this is targeted towards young people, um, pro-life people, we need, we need to talk about abortion, um, especially with teenagers and children. It's in the schools. It's in the culture. There's no way that children today are going to be avoiding the topic of abortion. They're, they're seeing social media. They're seeing movies. They're hearing songs that are all shouting the virtue, shouting their abortions. And we need to be honest and we need to talk. Um, it's, it's in the schools. I, before I came to work at Right to Life, I was working in an elementary school. And I had conversations with five-year-olds, six-year-olds who knew, one, they knew where babies came from and they were proud of that, and they knew about abortions. And so, and, and they thought because of the media that they were ingesting that abortion was a good thing. So it's in the schools and so we need to, we need to talk, we need to be open and we, it's never too early to start talking about um, the nature of reproduction, meaning it's a baby, it's a person, killing people is bad, and also um, we can't avoid it. People are shouting it and we need to be compassionate, we need to be caring, but we also need to be honest and tell people the truth of what's actually happening when someone goes in to have an abortion. So they tried this a couple of years ago. I think the movie was called uh, Obvious Child or something like that. It was starring uh, Jenny Slate, I believe her name is, and the movie bombed. Um, it's really hard just from a drama standpoint to do such a story uh, well. Uh, contrast that with like a Juno. You know, you need the protagonist uh, to overcome the antagonist, and it's uplifting when the protagonist especially a young lady, discovers that she has more power than she thought she had. Um, and that's really the trend in film and movies and stories lately. And so the, in this movie, the protagonist uh, accepts defeat from the antagonist and can't do it. It's really hard to make that a good, uplifting But it's a comedy. It's supposed to be funny. Right. And it's really hard to, to joke about it, too. You know, you know, you can laugh about it, even though it's a serious movie. But in um, Juno, she chooses adoption. Right. Um, and But she's an interesting character. But I can tell you that this is 
in advance without even having seen anything. It's probably going to be pretty ham-fisted and kind of dumb. We'll see how, how it works out, but this is a concerted effort. Planned Parenthood touts about all their corporate uh, connections, all their Hollywood connections. Uh, they used to, in their annual report, have a page devoted to just photos of them with all the celebrities that love Planned Parenthood. And they're making a conscious effort of putting this into sitcoms, into drama shows on TV, uh, you know, direct to direct internet releases like Netflix and whatnot, movies. No matter how bad it sells, no matter how bad the stories are written, they're going to keep pushing and shoving it out there and kids are going to keep seeing it. Not very many, hopefully, but, uh, but we'll see. Yeah. So, one, one interesting thing that I want to bring up real quick, two seconds. One of the producers on this film is also a producer on a very popular TV show for young girls that glorifies sex culture. It's got multiple teenagers in it who end up pregnant. And so I only know about the show because my students, when I was at the elementary school, watched it. And so this one of the producers is on a show that's glorifying sex culture and then is now making a movie about abortion. So it really is, it's the same people on every level that are promoting these sorts of things. Parents, turn your kids' screens off right now. And Good turn advice. This, and turn this off, because that's all the time we have. See you again in two weeks. <laughs>